morning, everyone. Our scripture today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you'd like to turn there in your own Bible or your Bible app, it's Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. This is the second week of our Advent message series called Stepping into the Unknown, where we're looking at different people who surrounded the cradle of Christ and how God called each of them to kind of step into uncharted territory, to step out in faith, because the pathway forward was not crystal clear. We face that same issue today as God calls us each to step out in faith into an unknown future. Each of the people we're looking at had an angelic visitation that kind of launched their journey into the unknown. So today we're looking at the shepherds and the surprising invitation they received to join in the celebration of the birth of Messiah Jesus. And as always, the intent of our messages is to build a bridge from what happened 2,000 years ago to today to see how the same God is still active in our lives right now. This is not just some old story retold from the ancient past like one of Aesop's fables. It's a true factual historical account that is also a living reality because we can experience God's presence and power in our lives right now. So here's Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Well, I had my first real panic attack this week. I mean, it was stupid. I feel a little embarrassed talking about it now. I think it was just the accumulation of stress over the last 10 months that just finally got to me. I was at the Apple store at the Short Hills Mall. Mall. I was trying to get my phone repaired. It was stressful enough just trying to get an appointment because, and they don't tell you this, but they're driving everything to be online, including any tech support, so that the store is only going to be open for in-store pickup. I mean, no in-person shopping, no genius bar appointments. They're shutting the doors. We'll only do in-store pickup. And I was like the very last person in the store and they were in the process of implementing this change while I was there so it just seemed like everybody was on edge there was just a lot of tension in the air plus things did not go well with my repair a 15-minute appointment ended up lasting two and a half hours and they were very anxious to get rid of me so finally I ended up just having to buy a new phone and it was just awful but I was stuck because with Apple products you know there's there's no place else to go at about hour two I just started to feel like the walls were closing in. You know what I mean? I, I was getting hot. I was starting to sweat. 
was getting a little lightheaded. I could feel my heart beating faster. My mind started down that trail of wondering, you know, am I sick? Is this COVID coming on? Am I going to pass out? Which just then increases, you know, your sense of panic. Well, I know my body pretty well, and because I've had some training in this area, I recognize that, no, I wasn't getting sick. I wasn't having a heart attack. I was having a physiological reaction to the sense of stress that I was under. A primal fear reaction that kind of sent a danger signal throughout my body. So my heart starts beating faster, my breathing was too fast, too shallow, so that my body and my brain, they weren't getting enough oxygen. That's what happens when you hyperventilate with those short, shallow breaths. You don't breathe deeply enough to expel all the carbon dioxide that's kind of building up in your lungs. So you're not getting enough oxygen intake and that's what makes you feel hot and lightheaded and panicky. So I had to take control of my breathing and not let the fear of what I was feeling take over. Now thankfully through my training as a police chaplain I know how to do this with first responders who are in extreme situations. They call it tactical breathing. All it means is you inhale slowly through your nose for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, and then you slowly blow it out through your mouth for four seconds. And then you repeat the process. You inhale, you hold, and you slowly blow it out. That clears your lungs of the CO2, gives you more oxygen. You just keep doing that until your heart rate goes down and your breathing starts to even out. I even have an app on my phone for tactical breathing that has chime tones to help set the pace for breathing. Too bad my phone was dead, right? So I got through it, I'm okay, and my phone is working. You know, our fears can be very powerful, even our imaginary ones. Our fears can really mess with our heads. What we fear can affect our decisions, what we do or don't do. It can poison our relationships, make us feel paralyzed or defensive. Uh, fear can put a sour note even on the good things that are going on around us because you can't enjoy life if your fears are getting in the way. You're always on edge. You're anticipating some bad things going to happen. And at the root of it all, I think fear can kind of erect a wall that blocks our experience of God's love and grace. 1 John 4:18 it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. God's grace and fear, they, they just don't mix. And so if you're focused only on your fears, that can shut down your prayer life or shut down your awareness of the Holy Spirit in your heart, make you feel like, you know, you're just alone. In every one of the angelic, angelic uh, appearances surrounding the birth of Jesus, the angels say, don't be afraid. Fear was the first reaction of Mary, of Joseph, and today the shepherds. The, the sudden appearance of the angels was shocking. These poor shepherds, they weren't prepared for the sky to kind of split open like that. But I think there's something deeper going on here because fear is just a systemic issue in the human heart. There are just too many things to be afraid of. For too many people, much of life is just a reaction to the things they fear, kind of tied up in knots of worry, uh, afraid of other people, other nations, other races, other political parties. We're afraid for our physical safety. I mean, crime and violence, those are real things. We're afraid for our financial security because jobs and layoffs and shutdowns are a harsh reality right now. Add to that the fears for our children, our elderly parents, the welfare of our family and friends, the future of our nation. We're afraid of being alone, afraid of being rejected. And then top it all off, we're all afraid for our health right now. COVID is our invisible enemy. We socially distance, we wear masks, we stay at home. But man, once you start going down that road, there is a lot to be afraid of. That's the problem with fear. It takes over. 
Once you give into it, it starts to spread like a weed. It multiplies like cancer. And the more we give into fear, the thicker the barrier it creates between us and God. And pretty soon we can't hear what God is saying. The voice of our fears becomes louder than the voice of God. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The message of God's good news in Jesus came to a frightened world. And in that regard, our world hasn't changed one bit. For all our advancements in technology and education, agricultural medicine, we still haven't solved one of the most basic problems of the human heart. How do we deal with fear? God comes to us with a solution. He says, trust me. Trust in what I'm doing. Join in what I'm doing in this fearful world. Did you know that the phrase fear not or don't be afraid, it appears 365 times in the Bible? once for every day of the year. I, that's quite a coincidence because I think God knew we would need that kind of repetition. Every day we need that reminder, fear not. That was constantly a part of the message and ministry of Jesus to a, to a man named Jairus whose daughter died while Jesus was on the way to heal her. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. To his disciples who were caught out in that storm in a small boat on the Sea of Galilee, he said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then sending the disciples out to, on a preaching mission in Matthew 10, Jesus said, Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. To his closest followers, huddled in that upper room, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus said, John 14, 27, Don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So over and over again, Jesus punched back at fear, the way it cripples people. His powerful, peaceful presence was and is the antidote to our fears. And you have to ask yourself, what, on what basis can I face my fears? Is it because, because the message is I'm strong and powerful? Is it because I've got what it takes? Is it fear not because I can handle everything on my own? No, it's fear not because I have a savior, a deliverer, a rescuer, one who is powerful who is able to save, who, who stands with us in our weakness and who frees us from our sin, who is even stronger than the thing we fear most. He's stronger than death. That's why the angel could say to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's only when we recognize the power of this one who comes as Savior, Messiah, Deliverer, that Christmas brings good news of great joy. His coming is the good news. That great uh, Welsh preacher, preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, describes the difference between good news and good advice. He says good advice is when you receive counsel about something that hasn't happened yet. You can still do something about it. That's good advice. News is a report about something that has already happened, which you can't do anything about. It's already been done. All you can do is respond to it. That's good news. Now, every other religion offers good advice to people on how to live their lives, do these rituals, follow these disciplines, obey these laws. Other religions send advisors to tell you how to fight your battles. Only the gospel sends messengers to tell you the good news, that the battle has been won. The gospel is good news about what God has already done and what God is still doing through Jesus Christ. The gospel is good news because it declares what God has already accomplished for us in sending Jesus as Savior, Deliverer, and Messiah. 
Through his birth, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and coming again, he has defeated sin. He's defeated death and hell. It's his glory that defeats fear. That's what compels the angelic host to spontaneously break out in praise, shouting glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Don't let that peace on earth stuff fool you. What the angels were talking about was not just some feel-good Christmas card uh, sentimentalism. The angels weren't talking about nuclear disarmament or global peace treaties. God was speaking to the shepherds right where they were, right in their own situation. Uh, most people have a mental image of the shepherds as just being kind of these laid-back guys, just chilling with their fluffy little white sheep out in the fields, sitting around the campfire at night, roasting marshmallows, singing kumbaya. But that was not their situation. In Jesus' day, shepherds, it was a dirty job. And it wasn't just a dirty job to have. If you did the job, you were considered dirty. The job didn't just look down, wasn't just looked down upon. The ones who did the job were looked down on. Now, I know some jobs have higher status than others, but none of us have jobs that turn us into social outcasts just because we do the job. The shepherds were in a cast all of their own. In Jesus' day, no one aspired to be a shepherd. It was, not, it was a lonely, dirty job, no benefits. The shepherds didn't just have a job that was filthy. They themselves were considered filthy and unclean. Shepherds were only one step above lepers and pig farmers. And like the lepers and pig farmers, they were not allowed to even participate in the regular religious activities like everybody else. And here's why this matters. The, the Pharisees had so twisted the Jewish understanding of God that they taught it was virtually impossible for shepherds to rid themselves of this uncleanness. It was like they had a permanent sheep stink on them that they, they could not wash off. And so they were treated like they didn't matter. Not just in the eyes of the people, they were told that they didn't matter to God. And that's a recipe for fear and bitterness about how they're being treated, for sadness about what they were missing, for, for just a fear because they didn't know how badly they might be treated by the rest of society. Now, we shouldn't just have a pity party for the shepherds as though they're just all innocent victims here. Many men became shepherds because they'd already burned all their bridges with their families and their communities. Becoming a shepherd was like their only career option because of all the other poor choices they had made in their lives. Before they became shepherds, they may have already earned a low reputation as a thief, a drunk, a malcontent, some kind of misfit. Being a shepherd then just only compounded that situation. Biblical scholar Joachim Jeremias writes, to buy wool, milk, or a lamb from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. So shepherds lived apart in these semi-nomadic bands and acted kind of like thugs causing trouble wherever they went. Respectable people didn't want anything to do with shepherds, and many times the feeling was mutual. Shepherds didn't want anything to do with them either. And I'm convinced this is exactly why God chose the shepherds to be the very first ones to hear about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. When God was thinking, okay, who's going to be first in line to hear about the Savior's birth? He doesn't pick priests or princes. He picks the shepherds. He picks the people who are outsiders and rejects, prone to bitterness and resentment. God wasn't just telling them news. He was making it possible for them to be set free from this negative cycle that they were stuck in. He was giving them a way out of all the ugliness that had accumulated in their lives. When the angel announces the good news of Jesus' birth, he said it was great news to all the people, and that meant it included the shepherds. 
They weren't used to that. Nobody included them. Nobody set an extra chair at the table for them. Nobody cared about them. But the angel said God did. So they go to see this thing that has happened. To, they go to Bethlehem to see this baby Jesus. And when they get there, guess who else besides Mary and birth is there to witness the birth? Nobody. Nobody. No crowds. No paparazzi. No wise men. The Magi didn't show up until much later. That first night, it was just the shepherds. They got a private screening of God's message of love. A backstage pass to meet the giver of grace. Front row seats to the most significant event in the history of the world. And this is where their unknown future starts picking up steam. Because it's then that the shepherds realize how much they matter to God. God picked them. God sent angels to them with this news that God's peace was coming. And they didn't need to live in fear of anything. When they see Jesus, they know that they matter to God. Everyone else might hate them, despise them, look down on them, but not God. God had reached out to them. God chose them. They matter to God, and they knew it for the very first time. And then watch what happens later on, verses 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You see what's happening here? Uh, the birth of Jesus uh, and how much it mattered to God didn't just feel good. It changed them. Wherever they're fears they had, it just seemed to fall away. They could go to people who normally would shun them. They could go to people who, who hated their guts and whom they used to hate right back. The shepherds go from being hated haters to peace proclaimers. And this is amazing. It's like a Giants fan buying a Patriots fan a beer without spitting in it first. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, changed them. You see, fear can be like an acid and you're Heart's the wrong container for it. It'll eat you up inside. The gospel of Jesus always comes with this challenge of fear not. Are, are you up for trading in your fears for God's good news of love? That's where we need to focus. That's what we've got to keep our minds on the most. The glory of God revealed in Jesus. It's his presence and power and peace that can defeat our fears. It's the only thing that can transform our fears into any kind of joy. He's the only one who has that kind of power. You see, if we don't have the sense of Christ's glory in our minds, eventually our problems become bigger than our God. Our fears become larger than our God. We've got to keep things in their proper perspective. Jesus and his power over fear is good news. It's good news for your friend who's sick. It's good news for your neighbor who's heartbroken. It's good news for the family cynic. It's good news for that lonely person in the lunchroom. It's good news for those who are just weary of life. It's good news for the wealthy consumed by success. It's good news for the person who's confused, who's ready to give up. It's good news for the addict, the alcoholic, the depressed, the distracted, the overwhelmed, the frightened. It's good news for everyone. Good news about Jesus who right now loves you as you are and not as you should be. Because none of us are as we should be, are we? The Jesus who was born for you, lived for you, died for you, rose for you, coming back for you. The one whose birth in Bethlehem helped the shepherds step boldly into the unknown. He'll help you too. So don't be afraid. A Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this little snippet about the shepherds and how it's just kind of tucked in here. But Lord, we all have to react, we all react in fear to something, Lord. 
And I pray that we would, this Christmas, have our eyes fixed on the glory of who you are, Lord Jesus. The good news that comes that know that you're our God and you're, you're our God who is stronger than all of our fears. Help us to turn to you as we walk into an unknown future, Lord, to know that you walk right beside us and you're with us and your power is right there. Help us to believe in this good news. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.